Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. How are you doing, Rachel? Better. Better. You know, I've been in kind of a mood these past this past week, but I interviewed Devon Franklin the other day. And in one conversation, and he's got a new book coming out. Everybody get it. It's all about expectations. One conversation, I said, man, you don't know how much I needed to hear the things that you were talking about. And it just kind of got my mood right. It just kind of set me straight. I'm a, I'm appreciative of that. So I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm still disappointed over some things, but I'm, but I'm going to be okay, which is what Devon mm. told me. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we got to have him. We got to have him on here. Yeah, I love Devon. We, me and him did a, um, we did something at the BET Awards weekend, a couple of years ago now. Um, we it was me, him, Jacob Lattimore, look at my Orlando Basil. Yeah, we we had a talk. What? Why are you? Why you're? Because you you're always did eyes? something with someone. You're always connected to someone. I just said we should have him on the podcast. That's all. Well, I was just saying that I knew him. Wow. Oh, he's... speaking of speaking of Jacob Lattimore, I saw the first episode of The Shy. I've I never really watched it. You never watched that I show? S- I saw the first episode of this new season because I had to interview Lala today. It was good. You like it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the one episode that I saw. I might go back and watch the rest. You like shows like that? What is what are shows like that? I'm just saying, I'm sorry that I'm eating on the podcast, guys. I'm starving. But you you like shows like The Shy. I just found it interesting. I knew nothing about it. I know nothing about the show. I was watching it in preparation for the interview. You start off with you start off with the first season or did you jump into this? No, no, no. Season? season four. Like just one episode, season four. The shy. I think they should say it like that. Cause they say the shy. But it's like I, more they I'm, should say like the shy. I'm pretty the satisfied shy. with how it is. It's good. I don't, no, they shouldn't. The shy. You know what I'm saying? Like get crazy with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh. Yeah. Whatever. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Yo, so how have you been doing since you tried to cancel me over my Melinda Gates take? (laughs) I didn't try to cancel you. You didn't get canceled. You just got Checked. told how it should be. Exactly. Can I exactly. say something? I though? loved it. I was so proud of you for posting it and Man, and leaving it up and leaving. But you love you love that kind of stuff. Come 
It's not people true. Know, but I'm consistent on this, though. Did you see Orlando Jones monologue? Orlando Jones on my page? Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I didn't see it. It popped Shout up. So you know how like certain people pop up when you, right. when you click on it? And I was like, whoa, this man wrote a whole paragraph. Basically, though, talking about your point. To your point, he Saying wrote a paragraph. Saying he was she like, she got that. nannies, nannies, this, that, and the third. Like, of, of this woman deserves whatever she gets, basically, is what he said. So here's my thing. I'm consistent on this. I just want to point this out. I used to be at TMZ railing against guys like Kevin Federline, who was getting paid spouse support and mm-hmm. was spending that time playing golf and going to Ralph's all day. All right. And uh, <laughs> uh, Judd, Chris Judd, J-Lo's ex, who I think got something crazy like $20 million. Did he really? It's a, I, I'm, I'm going to look this, this up right now. It's a joke to me. Like I, I'm going to look it up right now. But I think it's something crazy that he got. Oh, Chris Judd still kind of still, still, still holding it together. I feel like that's hush money. Like part of that money is don't ever say anything. Don't do any interviews. Don't speak I about me. I think the Chris Judd situation was definitely hush money. Because mm-hmm. I think there might have been a, um, I think there might have been a, uh, some maybe some some Ben Aff, Ben Affleck shenanigans going on, maybe before. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, really? I'm unfamiliar with the timeline. Well, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that Ben Affleck made contact while she was still married. You know, so sounds who knows? sounds right. No, so he got eleven million dollars. They were married less than a year. Woo! I just I think that's crazy. I, I think she that's gave crazy. it to him. He didn't. I, they didn't go to court over that. I know. I think that's well, nuts. That's, but that's not something that they battled it out about. It sounds seems like I'm sure J Lo had a prenup. It seems like that was all a part of the deal. That's not something to be mad about. That he got eleven million dollars for being married to for Jennifer, to, to Jennifer Lopez for less than a year. That's J Lo's decision. Clearly, that was the prenup. Well. There you go. You know, at the end of the day, everybody get your coins. Yeah, I don't knock his less. hustle. I'm not knocking but, but his as hustle. We, but as we learned after the podcast, Bill and Belinda didn't have a prenup. Yeah, so get that money. You know, I couldn't care less how much money she gets. I just like playing that game because women, women and men always see that differently. They sure. always see it differently. Like in have my a particular- baby. Have a baby. Have a baby. And then we'll see. Yeah. That's what so I would what like. A- just have a baby. Go through it. Carry that baby. Do what mothers do. <laughs> I'm not a mother. But I really but I'm about to say like but but so but but that case then I don't understand how to respond to that like then don't I, exactly what that's I, why people what if are came, all up in your in your messages. What if, what if I came back to you? You said have a baby, right? Yeah. All right. Build Microsoft. How many people have had babies versus how many people but here's have the built thing. Microsoft? We don't know what Melinda, knowing that Melinda has a computer science background, knowing that she worked for the company, she she obviously didn't start it with him, right? He started it. It was his no, idea. It was already. He was, he was worth $2 billion when he met her. $2 billion. Now he's a hundred and what, 40 something billion? Okay. We have no idea what her awesome. involvement is thereafter they got married. We don't know. We so don't know. What I'll tell, so what I'll tell you is this. Do you think that how Microsoft has taken off 
since 1994, all right, is due to Melinda Gates? Or do you think it, it might be due to the boom in the internet? It might be both. I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't know. But I'm not going to knock her and act like she didn't contribute at all. I'm not going to act. And that's what you did. And that's why people were mad at you. Well, and that's okay. why people were in so, your DMs. You gave her nothing. Now, I, so my thing is this. I'm not saying, and I'm really saying this to, because uh, I look at this and this, I'm really saying this is just, I'm trying to stay intellectually consistent on this, Okay. Right now, if somebody comes, if somebody met, if somebody meets, like Kevin Federline meets Britney Spears, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Federline meets Britney Spears, they get married. Okay, to me, I look at that as they they have a bunch of kids, they move on, whatever, whatever. They they weren't together nearly as long as Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates were. Number one, right. so a lot of these things don't have to. A lot of these things are shorter marriages, but I don't think that she. I'm just being for real. She had knowledge. She stopped working at Microsoft the year that they got, a couple years after they got married. I don't think there's really any world where we could attribute the success of Microsoft to Melinda Gates. So this is because I- because because remember now, Microsoft has a bunch of other billionaires that are there too. Microsoft has. Paul Allen, Microsoft has Steve Ballmer. Mm-hmm. She like she wasn't the CEO of Microsoft. She wasn't any of that. Now I'm, I'm sure she had a, a huge impact on Bill Gates' life, and obviously a hundred million dollars. I was joking around. She's gonna get billions and billions of dollars, and she should get billions of dollars. But to say that he, Microsoft wouldn't have been Microsoft when Microsoft was already Microsoft. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. And I think that I guess that what I'm looking at too is. For example, there's certain things when I when I talk about my marriage and I say, you know, if I if I didn't, I would I would be a a hustler and doing what I do regardless. But there's certain things that I get from my marriage and the support that I have that help my mentality to get me through certain things so I can go out and be great. And I think those are things that you can't measure that you get from the support of a significant other. So you have no idea what Melinda Gates was giving Bill at home. Like to help him out to be the. <laughs> I'm hearing it as I'm saying it. I'm hearing it as I'm saying it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just hard. It's just it's just things that you can't measure. But you but you but you know what I mean? Like the there's certain we we have no idea the ins and outs of their marriage and what she did Very for true. him and how she could have helped him to to be as great as he's become. So that's yeah. that's all I'm saying. Well, 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 we should say that we, we should say that he's great. And on, in her own right, yes. she's great too. They've given away billions and billions of dollars um, on behalf of a charity through a charity that she is the primary focus of. I'd say, to be honest with you, that Bill Gates is actually, actually at this point more known as a philanthropist than he is as that's a, true. Um, and she has a, a large part to do with that. I'm just saying, man, it was hard watching Kevin Federline. <laughs> How much did he play, get? I, I have no idea. Golf. She was paying him for a while. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. But, he's married now. Yeah, he was married. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I've never been married. I, I can tell you one thing. For me, I probably wouldn't even have a valid driver's license if it wasn't for Kalika. Like, I was in charge of this trip, and we missed the first flight. So, I, I would say that wow. she she would, if, if, some, if we got married and divorced, she would probably... 60 
sixty percent. That's why know. they say women are the neck. Women are the neck. Huh. What does that mean? Women are the neck. Men are the head. Women are the neck. Right. They do all nah, the that's, control. That's, that's bullshit, though. Okay, fine. It's bullshit. Women are, w- women are the head. Let's clip this and make this uh, as no, he continues. Let's clip no. this but and see, make this. But see to, uh, but, but see to, a video. But see to, but see to me. That uh, <clears throat> to me, uh, that's backwards thinking. Sometimes in some relationships, women are the head. And a lot of times women are the head. Society would both. probably be better if women, women were the women head. Are always the neck. So they women might be the are the head always... and the neck. They might be the head and the neck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. Melinda Gates. Let it go. Uh, Stop trying to fight it. <laughs> I love you. All right. Uh let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right. We love having people on higher learning that push the envelope and really change perspectives. And this guy right here is somebody that has done this. And I've held this secret uh, until we started this podcast. This guy is helping helping me with my finances. I'm with the UBS team. We can never get it all straightened out. Um, He is a former NFL star who has now pivoted to something that most players don't do post-retirement which is being in the financial game. It's really a fantastic uh, and really fascinating transformation. Joining us today on Higher Learning, Adewale Ogunleye. How are you doing, my brother? Man, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Yeah, now- I would just like to say that maybe I should join the USB family seeing how Van is podcasting from Hawaii. And so I'm USB. here in my office. So maybe this is working for one of us and for one it's not. Yeah, well, come on. We, we would love you at uh, UBS. We would love to have you over here. Yeah, Okay. because it's not okay. USB. We're not talking about getting extra storage. Did I say UBS? Did I say UBS? <laughs> USB. We're not talking about getting extra storage. We're Listen, talking about getting extra. It's, 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 kizzy, 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 I'm not the first person to make that mistake. My so, apologies. So <laughs> seriously, you, I, I'll tell you something about UBS real quick. UBS. They thought I was delivering packages. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. no, by the way, which is funny. I'll tell you no, why that's funny. Me. 
that's funny because, and I, I don't mean to say this in a funny way, but it's it's true. I'll tell you why that's funny at UP, you being at UPS because people don't know this, but there are mad ex-NFL guys that work jobs like that. I remember being at Best Buy when I worked at Best Buy, um, and this is in no way to shit on these jobs. It's just something that you learn about the nature of the NFL when you get a little older. I remember being at Best Buy and our loss prevention senior, I went into his office and there was a picture of him in a Ravens uniform standing on the field in the Super Bowl on kickoff. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I got a Super Bowl ring. I played four years with the Ravens. And I'm like, wow. And so that brings us to the point of a place like UBS, which is um, to help people, athletes and regular people make better decisions, make uh, make realer decisions and more future-centric decisions with their money. The question is, how do you go from being one of the best defensive players in the NFL to being a money guy? What was that transition like? How, how did that happen for you? You know, ultimately, Van, my – I just always followed my passion of giving back. So I knew that no matter what I was doing in life, it was going to be about pouring into people. So um, the financial industry just happened to actually just come about. And But still, I'm following my passions of pouring into people. So it could be any industry I would have gotten into. It would have been in an industry or, or a place or situation where I was going to be able to help people. So Again, I don't need the job. I did a decent, you know, had a decent career and, and made a decent amount of money and 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 saved a decent amount of money. So with this job, man, and being at the head of you know sports and entertainment at UBS, I'm able now to do those things that I love to do. Um, helping people, getting them to a place where we understand exactly what money really is, understand how money really works, understanding how we should be in a mindset of building legacies, the same way some of our other communities. When I say other communities, because we know um, a lot of the communities we come from, we know sports are filled with, you know, young black and brown men. And these communities sometimes lack the um, resources and the ecosystem of advice to help keep that money within that community, within their families um, that they can have for generations to come, which a lot of our other communities have more access to it. So being at UBS, um, biggest private wealth bank in the world, I want to make sure that those resources, those answers, that ecosystem of sound advice is readily available for our young men and women in the entertainment business. So again, I, 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 I just follow my passion of giving back and it just happens to be in the financial institution. Is it, is it also because the lack of what you didn't see when you were an athlete, you maybe saw, I mean, we've all seen the 30 for 30 broke and we all maybe know somebody um, maybe who didn't didn't even it's not even that they mishandled their money. They just didn't know any better. You know, like you said, we aren't equipped with these things in our communities. Is it something that you specifically saw or experienced that made you say, you know what, I particularly want to work with with athletes or, or those in the sports and entertainment world? Yeah, definitely. I think just, you know, it, you know, I, I have friends that are in, in the entertainment business and I just see the the sharks and the the hands and the transactional relationships that most of us have with the people that are in our lives. I'm sorry to say it, like whether it's business manager, manager, advisor, um, um, 
CPA agent. It's all transactional. It's about like how much money can I get off the talents that we have? And I realized that we're playing against a system that has been set up um, for people who are knowledgeable, for people who understand exactly uh, what they're getting into. And it's really not about having the money. It's having the knowledge behind what money really is. And that's where the power, power lies. And from my own personal experience, I got lucky. You know, my advisors, when I, you know, the few advisors that I had before I got, you know, sound advice, you should just throw my money against the wall and so, and let's see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get burnt by that, by that um, approach. But at the end of the day, majority of people who have that approach get burnt. And those are the headlines you see on 30 for 30. Those are the headlines you see on, on your favorite, you know, podcast or TV show about athletes going broke. And I just want to try, especially with the amount of money people are making now, put them in the right places to make sure that they can be like the Dwayne Wade's at 39 buying part ownership of the Utah Jazz. Like money is real right now. And uh, we just got to make sure that we have the knowledge behind behind that money. So I'm so it's me, Van. You know, I came I came from Baton Rouge, you know, and uh, I became a first round draft pick out of LSU. <laughs> but I also took I also took to- <laughs> I also took classes at Southern to keep it real. You know what I mean? So I went to LSU and Southern, but I played for the Tigers. I'm a first round draft pick. I was drafted number five. What position? What position? For me, tight end. Tight okay, end. Okay. All right, I'm, all right. I'm a generational tight end is what I am. I'm Sorry. Eric Gilbert, if you could just stay on the field. That's who I am. I'm a generational oh. tight end. I, I was drafted uh, number five. Look at a big deal. What is the most important thing that I need to know about money? Well, Wale, I'm about to be rich. I've been working for this. I've been setting up cones in the backyard for years and years. Me and my dad have been lifting weights. He was too hard on me. Our relationship is strained. What what happens now? What do I need to know about money? What's the most important thing? The most important thing you need to know about money, and unless you've been taught money, it's, it's pretty simple. You know nothing about money, right? That's number one. So the first thing I would tell you to do as high as a just generational tight end that you are out of LSU, um, hire an expert. Hire somebody that actually knows exactly what money is. But here's now where you protect yourself. Make sure they're with a reputable firm, right? Make sure that when you start screaming and hollering, they don't want the, the smoke, right? They want to make sure, like, I don't want to have Van on social media, you know, screaming about, you know, you guys are ripping me off. Be with a reputable firm that does background checks on you, FBI checks, FINRA checks, um, SEC checks making sure that there are no complaints against you. Those are some of the things that I didn't even know coming out of Indiana that I should have been doing. Knowing that, you know, I see this guy, he seems like he's cool. He may have uh, a player that I know or a player that I respect as his client. And I'm looking at it, well, if he's with him, maybe I should be with him. How about I do a background check? They do background checks on us as players. Everybody, anytime I want to get uh, a mortgage or I want to get a new credit card or I'm about to get a new job, they check my background from first grade until I graduated from Indiana. So do the same thing for these, for these executives, even though they have a suit and tie, don't be fooled by that. Don't be fooled by that. How real quick, how important me as a black young black athlete or any as take the hypothetical away as a young black athlete, how important would you say that that person that you hire to help watch your money and advise you on money is black? 
How important do you think that is to to have somebody that maybe understands what that situation is like advise you on how to uh, spend and make more money? Would do you think that we should that we should be hiring black people in those roles more often? I, I feel absolutely you should be hiring black. But let me tell you this: I had that. I got out of college. I put the fist up. I wanted to go all black, right? I'm Nigerian. I'm going back to the roots. I want to make sure that we take care of our communities. At the end of the day, the, the person that I hired knew nothing about what how I should be treated, right? So that's great to have that mindset. And at the end of the day, it's good to want to uplift your community. Really, that's basically what you're saying, man. Like uplift the people around you, your communities. There's talented lawyers, doctors, um, agents, CPAs, accountants, all of that stuff in our own communities. Um, and we have to find them. But the truth of the matter is, more importantly, find somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. The financial industry is dominated by middle-aged white men. That's just the way it is, okay? So in that aspect, find somebody, one, that, that understands what money is, and number two, that at least will hold your hand, right? Don't look at my group of friends as a posse. Don't look at them as a gang, like, oh, I can't deal with these gangs of, of, that are around these athletes. Understand maybe this is um, my family members, my friends, and I may have some form of survivor's guilt where I'm like, I'm the only, only kid that made it out the projects, and I have this guilt of, I want to bring everybody with me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The financial industry looks at that as an entourage, right? We look at that as charity, but we'll, the financial industry will look at a kid uh, or an, an athlete that invest in the Boys and Girls Club as doing it the right way. But the guy that takes his his, his homies to Cancun or to Columbia for the weekend as uh, he's spending lavishly, it's actually the same thing. It's about giving back. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is find, as a financial institution, is how do we channel that inner, you know, sometimes survivor's remorse, that way of giving back and do it in a way where it's not destructive do it where, where our money is working for us. And then that's the difference. So to answer your question, I know I, I ramble a bit, man, but to answer your question, I would love to um, uplift our community. But the truth of the matter is when it comes to your finances, get somebody knowledgeable first, straight up. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the only thing you can't really get back is one, lost time and your lost money of talent. We know some people have 15 minutes of fame. Some people have 30. But at the end of the day, the gravy train stops for most of us. Um, so it's a pretty short period of time. And you want to make sure whoever handles your money knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, while I ask this question, Van, I want you to think about what your vertical would have been in that hypothetical that you just mentioned. Your vertical jump. It's um, different. Well, <laughs> I was messed up, by the way. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I, wow. A lot of people who listen to our podcast are not athletes, and but they're curious, and they want to make their money work for them, but they don't even know where to start. They don't even know how to do it, or maybe they don't really have the finances to invest. I know, you know a lot of times we're taught, make the money, save the money, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So what advice, one, would you give for someone who's interested in starting, trying to figure out where, where to grow their money or how to grow it? And I really want to know your thoughts on cryptocurrency. Oh, wow. Because I'm seeing athletes donate their full salaries to cryptocurrency. They're not donating their salaries to cryptocurrency. So you know what I mean. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> that would be so Transfer. funny. It would be so funny. Like LeBron James, I'd like to give my whole not salary this year to Bitcoin. You know what I mean. I think the, what people need to understand that entertainment athletes are a microcosm of society. So whatever's going on in my own personal family life, uh, my own personal life, my friend's life, people around me, it's probably happening to most um, people in America, just maybe at a different scale. So the same advice that I would give an athlete, I would give a regular person is find someone you can trust. Um, maybe talk to someone at, at your local bank and tell them, hey, I'm interested in starting to save. And in that process, see if they're willing to teach you really about the basis of what finances are. There's a lot of places, resources. Let's not, you know, Google has you know taken over a lot of people's lives, but you could easily just Google a lot of terms and start understanding what money is. But at the same time, I'd give the same advice to an athlete, I'd give to a regular person. Surround yourself with someone knowledgeable and that that's someone that's gonna help you and teach you as you're going about your finances. And as with crypto, I'd be lying to you if I told you I, I had a crystal ball. I don't know where it's going to go. I know it's very, it's a, it's a trend right now. For me personally, I get scared when things become trendy, right? I get scared when my barber is talking about something um, or the, the, the guy that's serving me uh, uh, lemonade at the restaurant is like, yo, I just got this crypto. When everyone's talking about something, I get a little worried. So what, again, what I'll say is find somebody who understands it, get a good advisor to teach you on it. If there's something that you want to do, you know, and you're passionate about it and you have money to invest, invest in anything you want. But again, make sure you have sound advice. But um, that, you know, I'm uh, every day I'm seeing it to my friends. My friends are hitting me every day like, yo, what's up with this crypto? What's up with this? And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what to tell you. I want but, no uh, parts. Oh, I, mean, I don't, I mean, my it. Thing is I don't this. understand it. So, yeah. And which leads me to my next question. So I genuinely don't like this. Like I don't, and you, I think Wale, you and Antoine and everybody over there are starting to know this about me. <laughs> like I genuinely don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy, enjoy what? What's this? Like talking about money. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like talking about money. I don't like. I, I don't like really thinking about money. I like creating dope shit and then putting it out into the world. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be cheated on my talent. Right. So I always want the what what I what I think I can get, but right. I don't like. People love it. People love watching shit go up and down. I don't dig it at all. Money to me, growing up, was always something that was stressing my people out. So mm-hmm. I, I'm i connected to that. How does somebody like me, who really doesn't want to have to deal with this, avoid getting ripped off? Like Because what, cause what you'll do is you'll find somebody and you'll be like, hey, mm-hmm. these are the guys that's going to handle this, but you still want to be engaged enough to where you're not somebody isn't going out there and making decisions on your behalf that you don't like. How do I trust somebody to, to, to make these decisions, but also have enough agency over them to Mm -hmm. where I'm not getting killed or ripped off or ended up like Wesley Snipes. Shout out to our brother. Great question, man. You know, you, you are fall in the majority of people in the entertainment space uh, that are very creative. Creative people tend to really just want to just create stuff, do things, provide for people, create content, whatever it is, um, master their craft. And when it comes to finances, sometimes it seems like it's a burden 
to kind of want to get into it and get into, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. So what I would tell you from my, just a personal experience, I think you've got to do the exercise, man. Like you've got to say, you know what, for these next two or three months, I'm going to shut everything down. I'm going to focus on my financial uh, stability, my financial future. I'm going to see about setting up, getting an audit maybe once every six months and setting up a process where you're forcing yourself to have these meetings that discuss your finances and your future. So you now have to do something that you're not comfortable doing because at the end of the day, the industry um, finds people like that. And football, what's so crazy is the ball always finds the weakest link on the field every single time. Same thing in probably in basketball. Um, the, 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 the best basketball player is going to find the weakest defender on that court. And with the financial industry uh, and, and financial advisors, they love people who don't want to talk finances. They love that because at the end of the day, it's transactional. I can get as much fees out of you because you're not really paying attention and you're not checking me. And there's no checks and balances. So what I would tell you to do is, you know, you know, let's put the big boy pants on, put the big girl pants on, and let's do the work, man. Let's get out there um, and force ourselves to be involved in our own finances. I mean, it's, it's your life, you know? So that's what I'll tell you. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the partnerships that you just announced? You got a partnership with the SIAC, the largest HBCU collegiate conference in America. Can you talk about that and the importance of being involved with HBCUs? Oh man, that's a great, that's a great initiative. And thank you for bringing that up with the SIAC. Again, you know, the truth of the matter is as my position in, you know, sports entertainment, people think really at the end of the day is about trying to bring, you know, athletes into the firm and, you know, have as much revenue and, and building. Um, so we know with the SIAC, there's two things we're going to get out of it. One, we're going to help a community that we think is underserved. But two, the financial industry needs to start understanding there's a plethora of talent in these schools. So when we go to these to, these, to the SIAC, I want those student athletes to realize that, listen, the chance of you making professional are zero to none. Um, there might be one of you that might slip, slip, and that's even at a that's even at a major university, though, man. Not just HBCU. Why are you doing? Why are you doing? He needs to give them the truth. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm with it. Why are you doing like that? Man, it's He's gonna sell them false hope. It's true, and it's not just HBCU. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Ahead, if you if you guys had a partnership with the SEC <laughs> or the Big Ten, would you tell them the same thing? Like while I said the chances are zero. To nine. I mean, when no, no HBCU no, athletes listen, were drafted man, in this, this this. Listen to this, though, man. Listen to this. I think Alabama had. There's a hundred people on at Alabama. Hundred, okay. Right. 100, 100 students, I mean, and, uh, football players. Football players. I think the draft had maybe 250 uh, in the NFL draft, okay? Eight, I think eight players from Alabama got drafted. Now, that's a great school. Still, those numbers still say, even if you go to Alabama, the chances of you making a professional, sorry, are still slim 
to none. But look, but what you just did, though, was kind of deceptive a little bit. I just say that because that's of draft-eligible Alabama players. I'm not sure how many seniors Alabama had. I'm not sure how many third-year players Alabama had. The question would be about – like I'm just going to say that because people are going to say that. The question would be about – how many people did Alabama have eligible for the draft that were drafted? But I get what you're saying. It was just funny. It was no just funny, HBCU bro. players there's, were drafted, and I think that goes to his there's point. More people, there's more people, by far, more people at Alabama not getting drafted than getting drafted. And I had the same conversation at Alabama. I had this conversation at LSU, at Indiana. The same thing I'm telling you is not just because it's HBCUs. It's because there's not that many spots. Right. Yeah. So if you're good enough to play football in the NFL, you'll play. Like Jerry Rice, there's a bunch of, you know, Walter Payton, there's a bunch of Jerry Rice, legends. Walter Payton, Michael so Strahan, Aeneas Williams, Scotty Anderson. Kid who thinks no matter what school he goes to, um, you're going to make it professional. But let me go back to why the SAC before Van um, rail, tried to railroad him. What I'm saying is, we would love for you if you don't make it professional, and the chances are, you know, slim to none, that if you do think about a job in finance, man, and Rachel, you think about UBS. You think about possibly coming to the place where you saw an institution as big um, and, as, and as bold as UBS in your schools teaching financial literacy. I feel like athletes are really great um, Future employees, given the right circumstances and the right resources, we're coachable. Usually we're on time. Um, we take criticism really well, and we work in teams, obviously. And I would love for that to transform into the financial industry. So as I said earlier, the financial industry is predominantly middle-aged white men. If we can start getting our brightest stars within these HBCUs, thinking about different jobs within um, banking, um, we're going to have the thing that you talked about earlier about Van having opportunities and having um, our community be in the places where you or me or Rachel can choose from a vast number of different type of, of financial versions within our own community. And this is kind of the work that we're doing with this um, partnership with the SIAC. But ultimately, it's about teaching financial education, um, getting UBS at least in places where we need to be. And I want the firm to show, and this is the reason why I said this to you, man, is we know at the end of the day, these might not be future clients from a athletic perspective, but they may be future doctors, future lawyers, engineers, teachers, professors, whatever it is that we would love to have as clients, not just because they were, you know, athletes. So that was why I love this partnership. Um. So, first of all, <laughs> first first of all, I mean that's a great. I mean, look, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. that was that that, you know shut me up like I that, I think that people I think and also another great thing about that is those athletes seeing you being able to do that will it's give true. them a different yeah you don't always have to you know go back home and open up a barbecue place or something like that you should have took you should have chose the swack though I don't know why y'all didn't choose the swack all right you well, swack it's never too late you know it's never it's too late, late. Never you don't want the swack swack is yep. the best so I got two more questions for you not financial stuff one is about football and then one is about culture Okay. All right. Football. You were one of the most menacing people on the field while you played. Great career. You know, a great, amazing career that you had. You just said 
that the football always finds the weakest link on the field. Mm-hmm. My question for you is, as an NFL football player, former pro bowler, was there one player that you went up against that wasn't that good, but for some reason always had success against you? Somebody that's not like a perennial pro bowler. I'm not talking about Jonathan Ogden. Oh. I'm not talking about, you know, any of those guys. I'm talking about, like, a guy who was just a guy on the field, but for some reason he just always blocked you up. Yep, yep. I had a guy. I have a guy. And I don't even I don't even know why I wouldn't even want to say his name, man. I don't even want to just – because it's just harvest. It's just, I, I have nightmares about this. But uh, – let me say this first. I think everybody that makes it to the to, to the NFL is actually a pretty good player and and it's amazing uh, in their own right. But there was a uh, a guy named Mark Tarsher, offensive tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Oh man, I hope he doesn't see this. But he was just the fattest, sloppiest. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would. You should. I can't even mimic. He wouldn't. He would just move like this, and and I'd be like, "Yo, I'm about to eat this dude up for lunch," mm-hmm. you know. And every game, it's just. I think his technique was so bad <laughs> that I trained for good technique, and it was just so bad that it worked. Like it was like I couldn't get anything done, and I watched. Like, I'd watch you know film on him, and people would be tearing him up. Tearing him up. I'm like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> it was like he had, he had, he had my number. So, uh, Mark Tauscher, uh for the Green Bay Packers, man, he, uh, he's that one guy. And he was actually a good player, but uh, just if you saw him, there's just no way I should, I should not have dominated him the way I wanted to. So, and I saw him twice a year. So it was, it was, it started getting mental for me after a while. Like, <laughs> I started, like, I started getting like intimidated at a guy, and he was just a, a fat, sloppy Joe in in a uniform. Man, it was bad. It was real bad. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, Rachel. La- last question I'll ask you is a money question. I feel like when people deal with with wealth management, or maybe they come to you or whatever, they say, "I want you to make me rich." Is that how people come to you? And if it is. Should they manage their expectations? Because if you do make people rich, then I definitely do need to come make an appointment. But should they should they manage their expectations when that they, whoever they're talking to? Because I feel like that's the misconception is like you're gonna make me rich. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, I think that the, it should be re- reversed. Like, don't make me broke. How about that? Like, help, mm-hmm. help, help me like not that. help me not to lose this money. Got you. And because what I've made so far has been good and i can live off of this i but don't screw it up that should be the mindset so if you come from that perspective the advisor now is going to be conservative do you know a bunch singles you know doubles triples he doesn't need to hit the home run rachel you're the home run you've already hit the home run run. so now a couple yeah you are so (laughs) just know that you know singles and bunch are okay for the rest of your life um, and if you do, you know, have, you know, a unicorn or something that uh, just something that's been so big and adds to your wealth. Great. But again, your advisor should have the mentality of not losing what you have uh, earned um, from hard work and dedication. So last question. OK, then. You're, you're Nigerian. Yeah. 
and there's uh there's a something that goes on on Twitter that I love to get all of my West Africans riled up about. All of my West African friends. Shout out to Wale. Is shout about, out to Cass. Is about rice? Is this about, about rice or something? It's about rice. <laughs> it's about Jollof rice. What is this? It. Oh my God, Rachel, we just stumbled onto something so great. So there's a dish in West Africa. It's was it Jollof or Jollof? Jollof rice, Jollof rice. Jollof rice. But here's the thing about this jollof, dish. Jollof rice. Jollof rice. Yeah, here's the thing about this dish. Mm-hmm. It's like every different country makes it their own. See, in Louisiana, we claim gumbo. If, you try, if you're making gumbo from Mississippi, we don't care because yeah. – it don't matter what you what uh, it don't matter what your gum, what's in your gumbo. If you're making gumbo in Texas, even if your family from Louisiana, mm-hmm. every generation removed from Louisiana, your gumbo gets more trash. So it don't matter if you're making gumbo in Houston or in Galveston. It don't matter if you're making gumbo in Alabama. If the gumbo not coming straight from home, we don't care. Right. But Joloff is different. Yeah. Everybody has their own way of doing it. Everybody has their claim to fame. And there seems to be no clear consensus whose Joloff is the best. There's a clear consensus. What's the clear? I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be a homer on this one. Nigerian Joloff Rice is the best by (laughs) far. By far. I'm not going to hate on Ghana Joloff Rice. Ghana is is decent. Um, I would go. I would go Nigerian jollof rice, then Senegal has some real good rice. Right. But so give me the so give me the power ranking then. That's good. Give me the jollof rice power ranking then. See if you got what is it three four countries in there that you could throw in there. I would go top two Nigeria for sure. Mm-hmm. Then Senegal is a uh, three. Uh, Ghana probably four. And I don't think there's anybody else that even should come into the equation. <laughs> why is why is Nigerian why is Nigerian the best? I still haven't had it. I'm trying to have it out in LA. Why is Nigerian Joel off the best? How do you how do you not have it? How do you not have it? I haven't had it yet. I don't I know where to go. We, we 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 love rice as people. How do you not have jollof rice? I don't get it. You've had you've had fried rice, right? I'm sure you had Chinese fried rice, right? I'm sure you've had that. Yeah, about to, sure. yeah, yeah, I've, I've yeah, had sure. it. Right. So, like I say, <laughs> no. Um, I just think the spices, and I mean, again, it's almost like, you know, it is. It's just, it's, it's, it's family food for me. You know, I, I can't mm. even, even being here in America. You know, I'm born and raised here. I can't have a Thanksgiving without jollof rice. It'd be like a turkey, mashed potatoes. Uh, it'd be all like stuffing, all of that stuff, and a. A pan of jollof rice. Everyone looking like what in here? Like, well, that's part of my Thanksgiving. That's part of my Thanksgiving. So um, again, I, I'm not even playing around. Nigerian jollof rice is the best. Not, God, Ghanaians will fight you on that, but they're not even two. They're three to me. Whoa! <laughs> well, they were four. Now, you had them at four. Yeah, they're all four. They're four. Nigerians top two. So. You know, one, <laughs> one, the spicy one is one, the unspicy one is two, then, you know, Senegal's three, and Ghana four. You guys like spicy food or no? Let the Joloff Wars, uh, let, let the Joloff Wars commence. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble. All right, uh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. my brother. I'm in trouble now. I'm in trouble. 
Brother, my brother, I I, I promise Antoine I'm going to sign them papers as soon as I get back to LA. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I've been dragging on it a little bit. Yeah, that's what I, actually, that's what he sent me on the, on this on this, this this podcast for us to get you to sign these papers. <laughs> 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 from every angle, every angle. Right, like, seriously, they emailed him, and then they mailed them with the thing, like, printed out wow. for me to just sign and then send back, and I still forgot to do it before I get back to Hawaii. Rachel, Friday, I signed Rachel, the paper. I'll sign before get you. Rachel, get your man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my brother. We yes, appreciate sir. you joining us Thank today you. on Higher Thank Learning. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Okay, so it doesn't seem that Derek Chauvin is letting his conviction go. He has filed a motion for a new trial. He is alleging jury misconduct. The motion alleges that the court abused its discretion by denying the request for a change in venue and a new trial. Uh, Because the court failed to sequester the jurors or admonish them to avoid all media, the lawyer says that they were subjected to not only prejudicial publicity, but the ju- but to jury intimidation or potential fear of retribution. I think that we knew uh, that Derek Chauvin wasn't done fighting this. Sure. Did you read this? And do you have a reaction to him uh, trying to get a new trial? Um, I'm not shocked that he's trying to that he is going to fight for an appeal that he's trying to get a new trial. Those things don't shock me. I think the shocking thing was more of this juror that has come out. Did you just mention what that? Did, no. What did the juror say? I didn't see that. Okay. So there's a juror who it has come out that there are pictures of him. I believe they were on social attending a March on Washington, wearing a black lives matter shirt. And they're trying to use that a part of evidence for the new trial, saying that there was uh, he was Im- impartial and, and Derek Chauvin could not get a fair trial. I believe that's that's the case. That's one of the things. I think there were eight things that they put in their motion, and I think that that was one of them. Please forgive me if that is wrong. And <clears throat> basically, they're fighting this. Now, the, here's, the th- here's the thing. Obviously, <laughs> any... There were black people on multiple black people on the jury during Voidire, which is where they say question the jurors. They give them a questionnaire. They ask them What's certain things. Vo- uh, in Texas, we say Voidire because there's a southern accent on it. Voidire. It's Vordier. It's French. Vordier. Why is it Vordier? Oh, gosh. Why my law it? school isn't going to tell me. It, I can't remember what it means. Vordier. What, what the? I just learned something new. Vordier. Vordier. To speak the truth in French is what it means. So it's the Man, process. Why can't, they, can't, can't I be honest with you? Just real mm-hmm. quick before we move on. Why can't we name the shit normal shit? 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. Like, can I we, guess can from we where just it say, starts from, where it comes from. Law didn't, so what, what, start, didn't start recently. I guess but what it, is it? What is it called? What is it called? What, what's the name of the pro? What's the process that's going that they're going through? You're questioning the jurors. Voir dire. No, but what is the, what is actually oh. happening during voir dire? What's actually happening? You're questioning the jury. Why can't we call it questioning the jury time? Jury questioning doesn't, time doesn't sound as as nice. I hate jury it. questioning. Ju- I hate jury it. questioning time. Voir dire. Do you hate it because you didn't know? I know. I hate it because it's hoopty dipty. <laughs> Uh, there's so many things in the law. No, See, it's and they, not. They, they, so they many do things that in shit. the law spoken from someone who's not a lawyer. What do you right. mean? There's so, what I'm saying. There's so many things in the law that we just don't know what they mean, and this is the way they fuck us with this shit. No, they it's a like learning a new. No, it's like learning they, a new word. There's certain words yo, that you don't know what they mean. A, a, a I just told a habeas you what it, corpus. Like, <laughs> name it the shit. Like Latin. name it There's the a shit. Lot of Latin. There's a lot of well, Latin. What I'm saying is name it the stuff so we so we the electorate the people can better understand. If someone told me right now, yo, Van, it's as a juror, you got to go through voir dire. I would be like, I don't want to go through that because that sounds ominous. It's just a, it, <laughs> well, it's it just is. A, it is. So do, mean, during during voyage, my dear, what happened to this guy? So. Anybody who goes through it, when you when you get called in to uh, jury duty, you go through this process where they ask you questions to determine if, if the defendant can get a fair and impartial trial. So they ask you certain questions. So obviously in the trial of Der- Derek Chauvin, there were going to be questions about race and policing and Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and protests and demonstrations. And to my knowledge, these are questions that were presented to all the jurors, potential jurors, including the juror that's at issue. Forgive me, I cannot, I do not know his name. And he answered those questions. I think what's at issue is apparently on one of the questionnaires, he said that he had never attended um, a protest or a demonstration. And I think that what what's about police brutality, he said that he had not been a part of it. Well, the March on oh. Washington wasn't necessarily that. And the fact that he's wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt shouldn't matter because he's just saying that he matters and so does his life. He's not saying only. He's saying two as well. Let's not forget that. And if you're asking this man to take off a shirt where he's just simply trying to value his life, you would never have anybody black on the jury. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody black on your on your jury who doesn't believe that black lives matter. No, you can do it. I said hard pressed. I'm saying it's not impossible. I'm saying it'd be hard. Harder. Anyways, listen, I'm not here to debate you over that. I'm not here to debate you over that. The point is, is they're trying to now use this as a reason to get a new trial. Um, huh. I would have loved to have someone on because obviously we didn't want I didn't we didn't see the, the, the questioning of the jury time, as you want to call it, process. Oh, we didn't watch it. But I'm just curious as to. I'd love to talk to someone about like what this means. What's the next step? Obviously, they're going to call this. The judge is probably going to call this juror in. He's going to ask him questions. He's going to ask him if he could be impartial. He's going to ask him what involvement his involvement was with protests and demonstrations. They're going to pull his questionnaire. They're going to see if he lied on anything. Um, They're going to re-question him on the on those kinds of things. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I don't think that that's enough evidence to overturn. That sole thing is not enough to grant him a new trial, in my opinion. And also... That's the defense's fault for not doing their due diligence in flushing out these jurors. Mm-hmm. You've seen runaway jury. 
They find out all these this information on the potential jurors. If that was on his social, that's something that they should have seen. They decided to let this man be a part of the jury. And now they want to use it against him. Be mm. interesting to see what happens. Uh, uh, the just I care more about the people watching this story and viewing this story and how they feel about it. Um, be undaunted. White supremacy is not going down without a fight. So it, you know, Derek Chauvin is if if they don't see it the way that we see it. Uh, and so we shouldn't expect them to go out without flailing. They're going to flail. They are going to use every single legal option <clears throat> in their arsenal uh, to get the best possible outcome for Derek. What we should remember, what we should do is keep our eyes on the issue as it, as it, as it is up there, which is the death of George Floyd and what we have to do to make sure that these things don't happen again. Don't be triggered by this. Um, be aware of it. We knew it was it. coming. We knew it was knew coming. It was coming. So chill. Let's take a break. We'll come back with something else. All right. So Warner Brothers is uh is on a search. They need a black man. Warner Brothers needs a black man. That's how they should do this. By the way, they should do a, a nope. open casting call. They're like. Because they're looking for the new Superman, right? It's going to be a black Superman. They're doing okay, black I Superman. I thought it was supposed to be Michael B. Jordan. Was that just a well, rumor? It still might be Michael B. Jordan. But okay. remember, they had spoken to Michael B. Jordan about being Superman before this. Okay? So it might be Michael B. Jordan. But uh, they are letting people know, maybe in case Michael is dragging his feet, or in case they didn't like what they just saw from Michael B. Jordan in Without Remorse. Michael B. Jordan just had a movie that came out on Amazon Prime. So maybe they're cooling off on Michael B. Jordan. I'm not saying that that's true. Are you true. saying it was a bad movie? No, I enjoyed it. But I'm just saying you, you never know the way the studio looks at something. So okay. uh, for I'll, I'll say this, though. I'll say for that movie to have come out like last week and for them to, for this news to break now, it's weird. Mm. I enjoyed Without Remorse. It was I really good. did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was cool. Like it um Yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to the Rainbow Six movie. But just you I would have thought that the rumors, if the rumors were hitting uh the trades, I would have thought that the rumors would have been, yo, Michael B. Jordan is getting close to being Superman. Maybe he doesn't even want to do Superman, who knows? Yeah. So Warner Brothers is looking for a black Superman. Sources are saying that they're that they're uh they're trying to do it. Okay. Um Michael B. Jordan has said that he's flattered to be in uh, the, comp the, 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 the competition, but he says, he said in some, uh, some interviews recently, I'm seeing it right now, that he's just watching on this one, that he's not probably going to be a black Superman. Okay. So the question is, who would you want to see Oof. as the black Superman? Ask me this. Okay. If not Michael B. Jordan. So my first pick would be, but I think he's a little a little too old for it. Is Idris? It's not gonna happen. I know. I know. Hold on, I'm looking. Do you have a person? Don't tell me. Hold on. I could see them making it the the Bridgerton guy. You really think they will go with him? I could see it. He crosses over. I could just see him being a part of it. He's got the the body, right? That's part of it. He's got the body. You think he's got a Superman he's got the body? Height. Mm. I I honestly, from what I've seen the pictures, I don't watch Bridgerton, so I'm I'm not really 
I'm not really sure, but he's he's around the age. Got to be a little younger. Um, oh. I think he's a person that if it was announced it was him, everybody would love it. Majority huh. people would love him. They would love him as Superman. Here's the thing that people don't understand about Superman. See, and this is where you lose me. You don't even know what I'm about to say. I know it's going to be like deeply rooted in your knowledge about Superman, and that's why I say you lose me. I don't mean it in a negative way. Just, I just mean like I'm not on that level. Right? Okay. This is this is Ringerverse talk. Ringerverse, Ringerverse, Midnight Boys, a pew pew, um, <laughs> and the House of Mal. Every Friday and Tuesday on the Ringer, you want to hear nerd talk, me and Charles Home, the Midnight Boys, a pew pew, and then the House of Mal on Tuesday. Uh, this is the thing about Superman, and this is a testament to Christopher Reeve's talent. It is, in my opinion. One of the most difficult roles to play. Hmm. Why? Because of the dichotomy in the two characters. This was pointed out so brilliantly in a Kill Bill 2 monologue written by Quentin Tarantino. Superman himself is all-powerful and all-confident. He is super confident. He's charming. He's straight-backed. He's sure of himself. He is polite. He is, at the same time, strong. There's a strength to Superman. He looks at you. He nods. He, when he gets there, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Clark Kent is the polar opposite. P- Clark Kent doesn't know anything for sure. Clark Kent is chasing behind Lois Lane. Clark Kent is always in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's Superman actually projecting that so that people don't think Kent is Superman. Mm-hmm. Now, in recent movies, they've gone away from this. They've gone away from Superman, and they've gone away from the Clark Kent thing a little bit more. Now Clark Kent is just a guy, and Superman is just more of a guy. Mm-hmm. I think that people will see a black Superman, that they can handle a black Superman. I think that. I don't think people can handle a black Clark Kent. I think hmm. that I think that there is a mysticism and really a fetishization around black men in this country to where American audiences have trouble seeing them as vulnerable. Like American audiences have difficulty. Oh my gosh, it's so interesting you say this. Like American audiences have difficulty seeing like black nerds, seeing black men in search of their feelings seeing black like they don't they only want to see the mythos of the black superman the black guy who can sleep with any woman the black guy who can solve any problem the shaft meets i am legend meets fucking uh i don't know whoever else you throw out there all of these all of these different dudes who are ass kickers either that or we just clowning right so it's either we're but even in comedy, it's that's another when, when you have a comedic role by a black man, by a black lead, even that's like a thing because there's power in being able to make somebody laugh that much. One of the most powerful performances I've ever seen is Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop because every that movie is not a comedy unless he's in it. Every single scene, he is grabbing and ripping the laughter right out of you. So he's got power on screen. And so I think the dichotomy between Superman and Clark Kent is not whether or not we can make you believe that a black man is Superman. 
is whether or not we can make you believe that a black man is Clark Kent mm. and the dichotomy between those two characters. It's so interesting that you say that. I interviewed Anthony Mackie the other day. He's got this a part of this new th- project called Solos, which is brilliant, by the way, and everybody should check that out. And it's all about these solo performances. And, um, it, and without giving anything away, he's playing a clone of he's playing himself and he's playing a clone of himself in in this script. And one of the first things he says to me in talking is that a lot of times black actors are not given roles where they're allowed to be vulnerable mm. and you're allowed to see. And I and so now in hearing that and so in this in this um project that he was in he was able to do that you see him go through a range of emotions and it's really a beautiful performance now i think it should be anthony mackie i know all that captain america stuff but now i'm like anthony mackie no you don't you you can't no you no hell anthony mackie anthony mackie because he gets what you were saying about the clark kent no 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 we don't like him okay well, I like Anthony Mackie, but number one, he's 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 a little too old right now to play Superman. What's the age, what's the age range of Superman? So Superman is normally shown to be around 32, 33 years old. Because I feel like to... Christopher Reeves was kind of old playing him. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. You're wrong about that. But I just it, remember it, him looking <laughs> old. Sorry. <laughs> he looked old to you because you were a baby and he was a grown-up man. He was born to play the part. So that, I mean, that is what it is. He I'm not was, taking that away from him. I'm just talking about the you age. No, no, I know, I know. But he was born to play the part, so he's like even an outlier. But yeah, I, I, you, you want to start this guy, you want this guy to be probably between 28 and 34 because you also, if you want a franchise, you want five, ten years with the character. You know what I mean? So you don't want a guy that's going to be... really thought about this. This, these are, it's not really thought about. It's like, if you saw the guy who's 43 as Superman, then you got a movie, two years of sequel, two years of sequel. By the end, he's 50, and it's tough. Anyway, Okay, who, who is your pick, then? I think there are a lot of guys out there right now that could do it. Okay, I'm wondering, one. I'm wondering, uh, Yaya, Yaya Abdul. My, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Do you think he's not well-known enough to do it? Think I he- think it's better when Superman's a little bit less well known. Okay. Because I think I, for me, the the you gotta fucking get somebody who can grow into the character. Speaking of that, I want to moving off Superman to another uh, another superhero. Marvel came out with their they had a whole sizzle reel of teasers, and we're gonna go deeper into this on Ringerverse Fridays with me and the men, uh, me and Charles Holmes, the Midnight Voice, pew pew. I haven't felt stronger about my idea that Black Panther should be recast than I do right now. Speak on it. So Black Panther Wakanda Forever is coming out July 8th, 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm excited about the movie. Very excited about the movie. There's not going to be any chat with Bozeman in the movie. He he wasn't able to, to tape anything before we lost him, but I think it's doing the character of T'Challa, not Black Panther. Black Panther is a mantle. Sure, he can be Black Black Panther, and that would be amazing to see her as Black Panther. But the character of T'Challa himself is doing such a disservice to the character to not continue his journey. And this is a big comic nerd thing. T'Challa represents... There's so much story behind the character. T'Challa represents... Uh, really the spirit of Wakanda 
integrating their beliefs of themselves into what the role that the Wakandans are going to play in uh, the, the the larger world uh, is. He represents like, in a lot of ways, he represents the, how can I put this? The struggle of worldwide blackness. Mm. Like, it, I can help. They won't let me help. Should I help? Have they done enough? Has this world done enough to warrant my participation in it? More to the point. That's what T'Challa mm-hmm. represents. And as much as I, I am gutted by uh, the death of Chadwick Boseman, it's like it's the character itself, the story itself, the ideal itself, it, it's got to be more than one guy. Mm-hmm. It is, and also, this is me also talking to the film going audiences as well. This is me talking to us culturally. All right. I'm, I, I get that people just got to know T'Challa, but a lot of us have re- been reading it since we were a kid, right? Mm hmm. Like we got, we got to be able to move on and keep these stories going. We we do because there've been several Batman's, there've been several Spider Man's. They sure. recast the Joker after the part was cemented by Heath Ledger, right? No one will ever be T'Challa like Chadwick Boseman was. No one will. They won't. Like they like he to me is my T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is my Batman. Christopher Reeve is my Superman. You know, other people have different people. You know, right. but the stories, the stories have to go on. You want T'Challa for your kids, and you want T'Challa for their kids. You want you want T'Challa to have to watch Shuri be Black Panther. You know, it's just an important character, and I don't think I. I I don't think we're, I understand how everybody feels. I feel the same way, but I don't think we're doing the right thing by erasing mm. that character. I really don't. It's 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 something that's unpopular to say, but I don't think we're doing the right thing by erasing the character. I think you made your point. I, I obviously, you know, I don't know the history. I didn't even know about T'Challa until the movie, you know, was announced, but I get it. It makes perfect sense to me. And now I want to see it. Listen, I mean, I don't know who's making the decisions, but get that idea going because that makes all the sense in the world about when you, especially when you compare it to other people, uh, other characters, other uh, that we've seen in movies and or comics. So make it happen. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Either way, though, I'll, I'll be pleased because I know Ryan and them. I know that I... Um, Sure, he's a fantastic character, and Black Panther is going to be great. But man, man, maybe, man. maybe, maybe it's just that it's too soon to watch him in this pass. movie, yeah. and we can see him in another movie. Yeah, right. Let some time pass. All right, so we're going to play a new game here on Higher Learning. It's called Who's Fucked Up. All right, and this in <laughs> in this episode of Who's Fucked Up is starring Aubrey Drake Graham. And a singer named Naomi Sharon. All right. Naomi Sharon is a singer. She's just uh, moving up the ranks. Apparently, she sounds a little bit like Georgia. 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 Is it Georgia or Georgia? Georgia. 
Jorga Smith? Don't know. Um, but she's fine. Like if she's you go beautiful. on it's if you go on the Instagram, not just beautiful, but the thickness, thickness. Sometimes they so so they so thick that you lose the H and it's just tick. You know, it's T I C C thickness. Um, wow. And you guys, okay. you guys know that Drake is a sucker for some thickness. So apparently, uh, we don't know this to be true. This is unconfirmed, but there's shenanigans Correct. that are being uh, alleged by her fiance. The fiance went on <laughs> Instagram and posted this message: "Imagine having the most beautiful, supportive, and faithful relationship eight years long with an engagement and a wedding plan. A uh, beautiful woman on your side is ride or die." Then this major opportunity comes and a world star calls your fiance to sign a record deal. Flies you both out and then out of nowhere, the trust is vanished with knives in your back and in your heart. This guy is a legend that Naomi and him flew out to meet with Drake and the meeting with Drake lasted a little bit longer for Naomi than the meeting with the fiance did. He's saying that Drake broke up their relationship. Now, Let's say that we assume that this happened. Okay. Let's say we assume that this went the way the fiance said it went. Okay. The question is, who's fucked up? Is it, obviously Naomi is fucked up, but is Drake fucked up for having done this if this is true? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Drake is in a position of power in this situation. This is a woman who clearly doesn't have the platform, the backing, the 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 musical history. She's wrong. <laughs> let me let me just say let me just Wait let me just say second. this. Wait a second. Girl, keep she, on. Keep on. No, I'm, I am with you. She is wrong. But you asked me about Drake. Okay, she's she's definitely wrong. You're asking me about Drake. Is Drake wrong? Drake is not definitely not innocent in this by any means. He there you I think sometimes people underestimate the power that they have over someone who this is a woman who is trying to get on his level, who is thrilled at the fact that she is he has taken an interest in her, has flown her out, her fiance out, and is possibly going to collaborate with her. This is, as her fiance said, the, the biggest break, life changing. If she's in a position, a vulnerable, vulnerable position where she's trying to, you like, you like the words that I'm using, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wrong. Like a, she wrong. She wrong. Right. But I'm just saying he has to know that he has some sort of influence on her, knowing that she, he has what she wants and he is in a position to give it to her. You can't take that away from the situation. Nah, he's in a position to give it to her. All right. So it. it so he ain't innocent. I, so I, I'm. The percentage of wrong here. I can't do that. To get you have to. 50-50. How could it be 50-50? Takes two. I just I'm just gonna break it down. I can't do any of this, these percentages, right? We weren't in the room. I'm not gonna put more on her. Why? Because she was engaged. Like Drake is a grown man. They both were wrong in this situation. Drake They're is definitely Drake is definitely wrong. He's yeah, definitely both wrong. Are. He's definitely wrong. He is ten percent wrong. They both dirty. She's like he, the, the, he, he, he's ten. He's ten percent wrong for the the reason ten. why he's he's ten percent wrong. He's ten percent wrong. He's ten percent wrong. Um, he's ten percent wrong. Go he's ahead, 10% break it down. Wrong. Tell me how you came up with ten. 
I, this is why I came up with you. Wow. The, the 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 way I came up with ten is that if she she's in a relationship, right? It's her responsibility to her relationship to be faithful to her guy. Correct. Drake is just another dude trying to get to her. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I have to I have to give her more credit as a human being to be able to make decisions. <laughs> she's like a this is a grown up human I'm being. Not I get either it. one of them credit. That's I, the thing. I, I, That's why I'm making it I 50-50. Guess Drake, is a bi- Drake is a big deal, but she can't say no to Drake. And so she- could he. He he could, but that's but he doesn't have he's not in a relationship though. So why would oh, he? Oh, so what? Oh, so just because he's not in a relationship, he has no responsibility in all of this. Like, does he no, not? No, 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 no. He has a he has. If he you want to look at Drake, ten percent responsibility. That's he does ten percent responsibility. <laughs> if you want to look at Drake and say it's wrong for him to 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 shoot at a, a a girl that's like in a relationship, knowing that she's in a relationship, of course he didn't just but, shoot at her. It's it's alleged that they were intimate, correct? No, when I said shoot, yeah, when I said shoot that, I mean, you know, shoot the game and whatever like that. Yeah, but, I know. And, and fly her up. Drake flies girls up probably weekly. That's weekly, not what he, he prob- flew her up for. Those girls, they're flying up with so, the intention wait. that they're so doing something. He flew her up for professionally. So, so let's, let's separate two things here because I do think you have a point. If you're telling me right now that it's wrong for Drake to fly somebody up under the auspices of working together and then use that relationship to sleep with them. Like if Drake didn't really, if somebody doesn't really want to well, work we'll with you musically, out. if somebody doesn't really want to work with you musically and they say, yo, let's get together on some music stuff. And then they use that to sleep with you. That's wrong. Okay. So that in and of itself, that's wrong. I don't like that. If that's what's happened, if, if that's what, yeah, what, we don't what know. Happened. We'll wait for we a single to come out. If we, it never like, comes out, like we don't that's wrong that's wrong to that's manipulative and all of that stuff whatever but let's just say that forget about that part the part about them having a relationship that's more than that about the cheating aspect of her on her fiance that doesn't have very much to do with drake that has to do with her and how and and what she's doing with her relationship does it not no Okay. If he flew her out there with the intention to make to to possibly sign her, to make music with her, to collaborate with her, and then ends up sleeping with her, it's the same type of wrong. And I'm not saying she's innocent either. I feel like you're looking at this more of I'm blaming him and not her. I'm blaming them both. They're both dirty for this situation. And there's one victim in this, and that's the fiance. I know, but there's only one person that was in a relationship. There was only that one person's responsibility. Nothing. There was it's only so you one are saying respons- Drake doesn't have responsibility. You no, are no 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 no. I am I, telling you right this. Drake is a single man. Drake doesn't really have a responsibility. He has a responsibility to-, to respect somebody's relationship, especially when you flew her fiance out as well, knowing she was Look, in this relationship, knowing that she is hell. eager. She is eager. She is excited. Wait, she, I could pro- she probably was like, I'll do, I'll do anything to work so with wait, you. Drake. So see, now see that is you're conflating things. What you're saying is that he, he's wrong for using his position and power as I, Drake I think to sleep with women. Realize- I, I, would, I, I would say that he probably, and I couldn't say this for sure, 
But I'd say he probably uses his position and power as Drake to sleep with women all the time. Right, but that's different. That's different than, I, oh, I saw her at the club. Oh, I, I met her on Instagram. This is somebody you, you apparently flew out for the purpose, for a professional purpose. At least that's what this fiance, we don't know. That's what the fiance so, is saying. Let me ask you a question. If she was single and mm -hmm. he had flown her out for a professional purpose, and they mm -hmm. ended up sleeping together. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. But the question is, would that be wrong? It's a good question. I, I because then by, by by that rationale, it depends how it went down. Barry Gordy and Diana Ross. It depends how it depends how it went down. That happens, it happens all the time. Right. It depends the woman's mindset. It depends his mindset because you do have to realize that, and it could be flip flop. The woman could have the power. You do have to realize when that you happens are, all the time too. When you are in a position of power, the person who doesn't have that. There's a different type of feeling that comes with that. There's a different type of pressure. There's a, you like when you're under power, when you have power, you're exerting a, cer a certain type of pressure, maybe without even knowing it on the other person, that person who wants so badly to work with you or to do whatever it is with you. No, I no, no, no. I get that. If you are if, if you are. First of all, we should also say that there are a lot of women who just straight up want to sleep with Drake. Like that's <laughs> Absolutely. A, right. Right. So it's not the same situation. There are a lot of women who just want to sleep with Drake. Right. My thing is, if you're either person, you want to believe. That you can go up to Canada. With Drake, with your fiance, and that even though Drake wants to sleep with her, that she wouldn't do it. So let me tell you this. Sure. Drake's she goes up there. Drake flies her out. They're in the studio. He's listening to her music and he's telling her it's good. And then he makes a move on her. OK, that's not how the, I go. that's not how it happens. Okay, you know, how whatever. It happens? I can I tell you how it happens real quick? I, OK, go so ahead. so it's Drake, her and the fiance in the studio and they mm -hmm. making music and the fiance is like, yo, bro, she's got a really good tone. She's got a really good voice. Like, listen, this is why she's the next big thing. And Drake is like, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. The only thing that would make this situation a little bit better is if I had some of my favorite wings from Wings and Things down on road in Southeast Toronto. It's like right around the corner. But the only problem is that, you know, they don't they don't do Postmates. Um, and they're open for about an hour more. We have some wings. We have energy. We record through the night, but they don't have Postmates. And I sent my assistant home. And the fiance is like, oh, oh, no problem. No problem, bro. No problem. If you uh put it in the phone, if you put it in the thing, I'll go get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys just stay here. I want to break out flow. You guys stay here. I I want to break out flow. I'll go to Wings and Things real quick, and I'll um I'll get it. What you what you take? Yeah. I like my um my chicken wings, red and spicy, and I like the drumsticks thick. And Shut and, up. and then and then the fiance looks at him like, I'm not so sure why you said that and in the back of his mind he's thinking you know my girl is kind of red and spicy and thick like a drumstick but oh whatever and then so uh so he goes okay cool 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 and drake goes yeah you stop and get you know a 50 henny from the liquor store uh which liquor store i don't know find one and then he's gone and then boom as soon as he leaves uh drake stops recording her and he puts on the drinks in this gym for the whole damn week. Seven and ten, it's just so deep. And you got it, girl, you got it. He starts dancing, talking about when he recorded this. Before you know it, it's a whole thing. 
<laughs> it's a whole thing. That's how it happens. If you're going to okay. tell a story about how it happens, I, that's how what, it happens. I, you're right. It's my bad for leaving out the details. Uh, listen, <laughs> all I'm saying is, <laughs> now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I lost it somewhere around wings and things. I lost it. You you were saying that he, he flies I, her up there. Well, listen, I'm just saying... If if you're in a certain position, and I'm not saying anybody, I just think with the power and the pressure, there's this fear of, well, what if he's making a move? What if I say no? Do I lose this deal? You are, you couldn't be more right. But like what I'm, that in a, that, well, that, that would mean then, and this is a separate conversation, that would mean that Drake could then never get at somebody not on his level that, wants to work with him, which I believe, by the way. Yeah, it complicates I, 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 it. I, I, I believe that you're getting yourself in trouble if you fucking the interns or if you're doing any of that stuff. I, like, I believe that, right? Yeah. But it happens all the time, sure. right? Mariah Carey married Tommy Mottola, who was the head of Sony at that time. Diana Ross had a relationship with Barry Gordy. Celine Dion ended up being married to her manager or, 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 or something like that. It happens all yeah. the time. And in different situations, it, it it happens. But I'm talking about strictly the sanctity of their relationship. And this is a broader question. Is it up to Drake to uphold the sanctity of their relationship? I would like together? To, I would like to think that he would do that. Mm. But okay. but um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I get what you're saying. She's in it. It's eight years. That's your fiance. You know what y'all been through, ups and downs, the support, all of that. So yeah, that it holds more weight because you know things that he doesn't. But they both wrong. 50-50. You're losing. You're losing this this numbers game. You're losing it. Stop doing numbers. Stop doing percentages. Stop doing millions. Stop. I'm not losing. I think I think that really what I'm looking at in this situation is I'm looking at two adult people. One person who's single, one person who's in a relationship. Now, if you believe that it's wrong to be with somebody that's in a relationship, I get that. Not everybody thinks that, though. Not everybody feels that okay. way. Okay. Well, we know how Drake Maybe. feels. Well, we don't because these are all allegations. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this, though. I do feel bad for the uh, for uh, the fiancé, though. I just oh, don't know 100%. in any way. I don't know in any way why he would put this on Instagram. Uh, I just can't he's think. He's jaded. Not in a million he's years. angry. He's upset. He's probably trying to call out Drake. Like he wants people. No, nope, people are not going to turn on Drake for this. Drake's going to make a song out of it. Like we, you know, it's, you never know what you're going to do when you're angry. I feel bad for him. He don't have anybody else to turn to. So he turned to the public, I guess. Turn to the public. Turn to the public. Turn to the public. Turn to the public guy. All right. Uh, all right. It's mailbag time. Mailbag. Let's go. Trudy, come on. You always no you didn't let the song play. Oh, let, let's let, let, let's let my joint rock real quick. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Let's do it. Mailbag time. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Audrey Beth. What song takes you back to your college days? Woo! I know for Rachel what song it is. What? 
is that limp biscuit that rolling, 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 rolling? We keep rolling, anything, rolling, rolling, anything that has Lil John in it. That's straight college for me. Scrappy, Lil John, um, Yin Yang Twins. That's all college. Mm. So two songs. I need a hot girl. <laughs> uh, 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 two songs. I I need a hot girl and and uh and fuck the mother niggas. Those those two dun, songs dun, really dun, take. Dun, but it's, that it's, actually reminds me of college yeah. too because that's a big Delta Strut song. Yeah, that 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 reminds me of college, but also some other joints like In Sync, Gone. Like In Sync was In Sync was popping. Like, like, see, I hate y'all. I hate y'all. I love In Sync, but no, that I, I tell no. I tell you I tell you why I tell you why I hate y'all. You know what else reminds me of college? I'll be straight up, Nickelback. How you remind me? Because a, a bunch it. of y'all, because y'all fronting, y'all are liars. No, when people all say, of you take are liars. College, I think the club. That's all right. that pops and, up in my head. So I'm like, what was I something. dancing to? What when, table, how you remind couch, me, DJ booth? When How You Remind Me was out, if that shit would have come on in the club, everybody in that bitch would have been singing. Like, it, people, people, people try to act like they were cool as time goes on. I, newsflash, all of you loved uh, Nickelback. All of you loved that song. I wasn't the only person that thought that song was dope and got excited when it came nope. on the radio. Everybody liked how I you remind me. I don't know who you're preaching to. Nobody's arguing with you. You're having a moment Everybody all by yourself. Higher. All by, by Creed. Ooh, now that was the jam. Everybody liked higher but, by Creed. Everybody liked Train, Drops of Jupiter. Everybody liked all of these records. Now you want to echo it? Shucks. No, it doesn't. Who, you just don't want to be trying to be fighting cool. with yourself. Fighting <laughs> What's with yourself? the next question? <laughs> this is from Nikki San Pedro. What's a habit you have that you thought was normal but only realized was kind of weird later in life? Peeling off the sides of the peeling off the skin on the sides of my fingers. Is that a nervous habit? Yeah. But like do you peeling bite do you skin, bite right, it? Look. No, I know other people actually who do that. Do you bite it? Right. Do you bite? I, I you sometimes bite I bite and it. Peel. I bite and then I'll It'll get bloody, and then I'll hold it and wait for a good scab to form because a good scab is more fun to pick. And then I'll pick it off, and then yeah, right, yeah, all over. It's I like can't, the more nervous I am, the more nervous I am, the more I do it. I can't think of one. I don't have I don't have any weird habits. You don't have any real weird habits? You have zero weird habits. Yeah, yeah. You gotta come back. So to you me. don't think you you don't think habitually. Sending television hosts to the soup line is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god! Can't, I can't. I can't. I can't think of one. Mm-mm. Poor guy. Um, all right. Well, like one. One more. Okay. So I guess apparently it's National Teacher Week. So Aww. who is the teacher Aww. that inspired or impacted you the most? It's two. Um, one was Mr. Campanella. We talked about one of them, and he, yeah, one was Mr. Campanella. There was Mr. Gabauer. Uh, no, excuse me. There was actually a couple. There was Mr. Newbauer, who was a sixth grade teacher who let me direct my first play. There was Mr. Campanella, who was a shop teacher, 
who is the first grown up besides my parents that I ever disappointed, which was a very important moment in my life. Um, but there was one teacher in the seventh grade named Miss Watchery. <laughs> Miss Watt, I wasn't doing my work. This is kind of a disgusting story. So one day I was brushing my hair. And when I was brushing my hair as a seventh grader, a dandruff was getting on my desk. And I noticed this and I didn't know that people actually had dandruff. I didn't know what dandruff was. And so I kept doing it. And all the the kids in the class were laughing, right? So it was funny to me. I kept doing it to where it was like bad, right? It was bad. Like my, like uh, uh, even my boy Chris was like, man, man, you got a dry scalp, bro. <laughs> like you have a super dry scalp. Like it was, it was bad. Cause remember, here's the thing about my parents' relationships. My parents were fighting so much that there were little things like that, that I never got taught. Right. right? Like my, my, my dad, my dad, my dad would say, Hey, wash your hair. So I would take, like uh, some soap and run it through my hair real quick. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really washing my hair. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I, I would brush my teeth and like, do all that stuff. But they were, when your parents are like that dysfunctional, there are little things like that. Like nobody, my dad never taught me how to like brush my hair right. He never taught me how to dress. He never taught me how to do any of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm doing that and I'm thinking that's funny, right? And I'm obviously going to get in trouble. She kept me after class. Miss Watcher, she kept me after class. She's like, uh, first of all, that's obviously disgusting. <laughs> and she looked around. She was like, you know, I see how you be looking at the little girls in the class. She was like, you think any of these little girls going to like you now? Now you just made yourself the dirty dude and you're going to be the dirty dude. And I was like, well, what do I have to do? She was like, what you have to do is be a man. She said, mm-hmm. you have to come in here as a man and comport yourself as a man that means do your work that means clown but get serious when it's time to get serious it's like too many of you boys out there is just playing she was like if you get out on the street right now look at you look how tall and big you are they're not gonna know you from any other dude on the street He's like, it's, there's a time to play. I love your your energy and your spirit, but there's also a time for you to have yourself together like as a man. She challenged me. Black lady. What grade? Like, like challenged me. Black, I was in the seventh wow. grade. She challenged me. Black lady named Miss Watchery, Earth Science. Mm. And she was like, now clean that up off my desk <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You tell your mama, go down there and you get this stuff called Head and Soldiers. Head and Shoulders. <laughs> and she was like, when you... When you uh when you wash your hair, she was like comb through it with a comb, and going in. And I remember that night, I was so surprised at my body. The, the it was caked up. <laughs> it was like I had never washed my hair before, and 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 I remember getting out, and my scalp felt so much better. And I like a couple of years after, I started getting braids and stuff. And she was like, oh, you have the cleanest, most smooth. I was like, yeah. And I told her the same story. So, wow. yeah, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her, I'd have like caked up, caked up Daniel. I definitely, shout out, a shout out to her. Definitely don't have a story like that. Mine were just Miss Hewlett. You got dandruff <laughs> and Miss. Okay, I have a wig now. So you wouldn't be able to tell what kind of dandruff I have. Miss Hewlett, so you, you Miss Merriman, English, AP English, AP Government and History. 
and they were two teachers that ex uh just taught me how to step outside of a bubble and think for myself never forget them and taught me how to like english not something i was really into you didn't know how to write english not not what i said you said you didn't know how to write what no i said taught me how to like i didn't like the oh. subject of english i learned to love it you, you, you i love it too it was my favorite subject it became that I because of the teacher that i had yeah i still didn't like earth science though what is earth, earth science, science? i don't think i ever had earth, earth science, science. Earth science is what you took in the seventh grade. Not, I it did was not. Earth science, and then after that, it was physical science. I didn't. You like had a Louisiana physics. education. I had a Texas one. Mm, wow. Is that it for what today? Was that, that what does that mean? It's like what are you, you took like Earth you, science. You got sitting. You got sitting in the fucking class all day and sing deep in the heart of Texas from 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 dust to the dawn. The stars at <laughs> night are big See? and bright. <laughs> all right. Do you have an? No. Uh, uh, an unexpected ally of the week. I'm still in okay, yours. You I'm still yours. I'm still in yours because yours. This is, is good. one. This is a great one. There was a, there was an Uber driver out in Chicago that uh, saw a guy that was the victim of a drive-by shooting. It is a beautiful story, and um, he drove the guy to the hospital, put him in his Uber, drove him to the hospital. He then got a five thousand dollar reward, and rather than keep the reward, he gave it to the gentleman that had been shot. He said that he, I just uncommon, uh, just daring. Daring, aggressive humanity. I loved it so much. But, and was emphatic it so so about it, though, right? Like, was emphatic about just it. Just encouraging everybody to help this man. And the reason, and like, you, you brought that beautiful story to the table, and I brought a story about a man who had been enslaved for 20-plus years in South Carolina, and that is why I don't have an out. Uh, an out, unexpected ally <laughs> of the week. <laughs> I can't get over All that right. story. <laughs> All right, guys. We appreciate you putting up with us, putting up with us while I was on vacation. Uh, we will be back next week, coming from LA. Take your thing caps off. Do not stop learning. I am Van. I'm Rachel Lindsay. 